0: To season two, episode eight of Sprott Gold Talk Radio, I'm your host Ed Coyne, senior managing director at Sprott Asset Management. I'm excited today to have Muhammad Ali, vice president of sustainability and regulatory affairs at Aneco Eagle. Muhammad, thank you for joining Sprott Gold Talk Radio. But before we get into the ever-evolving standards of ESG, could you please tell our listeners a bit about Aneco Eagle as well as yourself?
1: i'll start with a little bit of agnico for those who don't know agnico eagle it's a canadian-based gold mining company with operations in canada australia finland mexico in 2021 we had gold production over 2 million ounces and expecting to rise to over 3 million ounces in 2022. a couple things regarding uh, what makes agnico different we've established in 1957 we've been around over 65 years so that's something that we are quite proud of because you cannot be operating that long if you don't have that kind of reputation and being known as a company of high standards. We employ over 16,000 people and that's just our direct employees. We touch beyond 16,000 and I'll touch on it later, but as a mining company that operates in various communities, we have primary, secondary and tertiary impacts that we make um, in those communities and then we go beyond that into various philanthropic components because we know we're an enabler in those towns. We're committed to net zero. As you've probably heard in this day and age, the commitment to net zero by 2050 is becoming not just a nice to have, but a requirement, and we're no different. We've recognized that, and we're making our plans to do so as well. We're recognized for leaders in ESG performance. We have independent research folks like MSCI, RepRisk, Sustainalytics, and then TSM, which is further below that we won awards on. Consistently, we rank high. And we rank high because Though we're a global mining company we like to consider ourselves a regional mining company. We go into a region and we look at a mine and then we actually look at the region and we try to have multiple assets in that area so we can actually leverage and build a community and build a region. Agneco typically doesn't just go into an area with one asset and then just rely on that so we're looking for long-term assets with long-term value as well as developing long-term relationships with our community so that we can become the partner of choice in other assets in that region. And that's important for us because we wouldn't be successful if we weren't seen as that regional miner. So when you go into our communities, though we may be the world's third largest producer, that person who sits in the Abitibi region or Nunavut sees us as one of their local partners, and we are proud of that. And then a chance to boast a little bit about recently we just this year won the uh, Mining Association of Canada's Towards Sustainable Mining Environmental Excellence, as well as the Community Engagement Excellence Awards. And these awards, there's a lot of mining companies that go through this TSM and to be s- selected as the winner is a-, a testament to a lot of good work that happens within our sites.
0: Mohammed, for some, ESG is viewed as a fad or just another label to put on an investment product. But for both Sprott and Anico Eagle, it's become so much more. Can you guide our listeners through you and your firm's commitment to ESG?
1: I mentioned it, that ESG is a core building block in Enico Eagle's strategy, and it's really ingrained in how the company operates. And it's not lip service because we understand that our role as a mining company has always been the one that touches land. And historically, mining companies tend to get that reputation of exploiting resources, but we've started to realize that to be in business as long as we have, we're not exploiting a resource, we actually see ourselves as building communities and we're ingrained in that community. We see ourselves as neighbors, we see ourselves as a partner and helping economic development as well as being an enabler for some of these communities to actually thrive. So to that, we actually consider ESG as an opportunity to drive improved performance we develop benchmarks and metrics, and then we use that as a way to grow and see how we're doing and improving on them. There's qualitative and quantitative impacts, but we try to look at all of those metrics and see how we can continue improving to eventually culminate towards awards. So our sustainability, or ESG, is based on four pillars. It's engaging with people, it's pursuing innovation, identifying and eliminating or mitigating risks, and adapting new realities. And I'll touch on each of those Before I go there, I wanted to mention that ESG is governed all the way from our executives to their boards, to then to me, to each site. So we actually have different layers of sustainability or ESG integrated throughout the levels of the organization. And I know you can't see my hands, but I do that zipper model and we just integrate all the way down to to the top because if ESG is not institutionalized in the company or it's not Part of the culture it falls short because it then either becomes top heavy or just bottom heavy and you need everybody on the same page and that is one of our strengths we do get very high rankings on these uh, on the governance side but it's probably what makes us very successful the fact that our ceo and our board we commit to talking about more esg than probably some of the other topics because of our values We strive on being that regional operator, so we try to make a positive difference, and the positive difference really comes when you actually have multiple assets in a region. You can start leveraging the fact that you have a long-term view on things, long-term outcomes and objectives so you can work with the communities, so therefore we're looking at long-term things like training programs, because we aren't an asset that's just there for six years and out. So we're actually looking to see how do we build the local talent pool so that we can have long-term, not just employment, but then you actually are building the capacity in those regions. When it comes to Indigenous, I, I think this is one of the areas that, including my own kids who, they know their dads in the mining industry, but they don't realize that how much mining is uh, one of the few sectors that actually is involved in direct reconciliation with Indigenous communities. We're actually there in in the lands, in traditional territories, and these communities rely on these mines, not just for jobs, but for procurement opportunities, but as an enabler for them to grow their own communities. There are various examples that I can get into, but for example, the detour is one that during the COVID times, we started to become more tele-remote and the children had to be in school so we put in a 5G line that we actually put from, from Cochrane all the way up to Detour but all the communities along the way now had the ability to get educated at home. There's no value you can put on those kind of things uh, for those Indigenous communities. <laughs> um, and then we continued to invest in the health and well-being of our communities during COVID. We had Nunavut being an isolated community we made the conscious decision to say, you know what, don't want to risk your communities, full we'll pay, stay at home, we're here for the long term, stay healthy, take care of your families, and then we'll we'll meet again when things get back to normal. And then diversity, equity, and inclusion, it is a fundamental core value within AgNECO. We have various programs that we're working with to ensure that we continue to Broaden diversity in multiple ways, from gender, from ethnicity, uh, diversity in thought, and it's something that we we take quite a lot of pride in. Innovation has always been part of, I I would say, a lot of mining companies and working on innovation. But what I think what makes Agnico's uh, different because of that long-term view and assets such as Detour, that is one of those companies that we identified as you know where you can get the ethical gold, has a mine life of over 30 years. When you have that kind of mine life, it allows you to work with innovation in a whole different temporal scale. It's not just looking at saving light bulbs and switching small equipment. You start looking to long-term planning of electrification. We wanted to start building things and being case studies for things that we can then replicate for other mines that have paybacks that other people just can't do, including then renewable energy and advanced digitization. But all of that, pursuing innovation, most mining companies do it, but I think we put it to a whole new level because of the way our assets are long-term.
0: Well, thank you, Mohammed. So for Aniko Eagle, ESG is much more than a tagline. With your four pillars you talked about, people, innovation, risk management, and adaptation, Anico seems truly committed to building out the four cornerstones. I thought it might be helpful if you could give an example to our listeners on when a project came together and all four pillars were applied to that project.
1: This one is interesting and actually near and dear to my heart because though detour is not closing for another 30 years. We started progressive rehab and research on it now, grabbing native vegetation and seeds, putting it through a greenhouse to see how that revegetation would look like 30 years from now to incorporate not just the ability to reclaim the area, but looking at the best research to do it so that we're not stuck in 2039 or 2040 trying to then close this without any idea of the land. And we're working with our Indigenous partners on this as well. They know the land. Our Indigenous partners see themselves as stewards of the land and we see ourselves stewards of the land. So it's a really good alignment of what we're doing. And some of the uh, award-winning components, we're using drones for seeding on certain slopes. It's it, I can go on forever, but I think the, the stuff on managing an environment and communities and people is something that we're very proud of. Having worked in variety sectors, and I was a consultant before, what people don't realize, the mining sector, as much as people assume that it's mining is mining of yesterday, it's not. And the realities of mining, uh, the expectations of mining, they're always changing. A typical mining engineer and geologist are dealing with different grades, different concepts, different things at all times. So unlike any other industry, we're always ready for change. We are always adapting to stuff all the time. We adapt to new realities regarding our responsibility to mining, our indigenous communities, their evolution of their capacity. So we've always been ahead of the curve when it comes to adapting to new realities. Climate change obviously is a new reality. We are amongst the lowest greenhouse gas emitters. To give you some perspective at NECO's position versus the World Gold Council's pegged the average gold greenhouse gas intensity about one and S&P Global put it at 0.7. We're about 0.37 as a company. We've got various reduction programs from energy efficiency to electrical electrification and renewable energy projects. All the good stuff that's out there and we're also working on a lot of research work that we're trying to actually help shape the mining industry moving forward uh, because we have the ability and leverage to work with the the larger consortiums to start bringing in uh, what we'd say some, hopefully some other step changes things. So we see that as a responsibility of ours.
0: That's a great example, Mohammed, And thank you once again for sharing that with us. It certainly does seem that Anika was truly committed to the change and sustainability and applying ESG to its entire investment process. Once again, I'm your host, Ed Coyne, and you're listening to Sprott Gold Talk Radio. Thank you for listening.
2: You have been listening to the Gold Talk Podcast by Sprott, Inc., for more information and insights on precious metals investing, please visit Sprout.com. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or recommendation from any Sprout entity to the listener. Neither Sprout nor any of its affiliates make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast. And any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Sprott, and Sprott is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Sprott to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Sprott entity past performance is no indication of future results.